0: I've been doing my own thing. Love has always had a way of having bad timing. But to my great surprise, ever since I looked in your eyes, I had one question for you. Tell me if you want me to you know. You're the perfect one. Tell me if you want me to. Welcome to this week's episode of Cake and Kombucha. I am recording this week's episode in a very, very top secret location. I cannot tell you where I am, but rest assured, it's exclusive. Some of you know. Most important to remember here is that I do what I have to do to bring the news and the tea to you. That's what's most important. Okay, I'm done. I don't know. I do know some people that are like Australian and British, and it's been affecting the way I speak recently. Welcome to this week's episode of Cake and Kombucha, yeah. Cake Cake, cake, like cake like you eat, and kombucha. Kombucha, like fermented tea that you drink. So cake and kombucha. Hi, I'm your host, Kalechi Azier. This is where we convene to discuss what's the news. Tell me what's happening. Politics, news, pop culture, social media, anything. Squirrels, cardboard boxes, stuff like that. Um, yeah, we're here. We're ready. Let's get into it. I'm so happy to have you back if you joined us before. Either way... Please subscribe. Subscribe. Press the subscribe button. Press the button subscribe on Apple, okay? Or Spotify or SoundCloud. This is how I can keep track of you. This is how I can deliver you the content that you want. This is how we build an empire, okay? This is how we take over the world. With no further no more further wait with much without without further ado. without further ado, let's get into our topic for the day. Like a peasant, I went to sleep last night instead of staying awake to wait for whatever Beyonce was going to bequeath uh, to the masses. So I am not finished listening to the whole album yet. Homecoming if you don't know, perhaps you live in a nuclear bomb shelter. Beyoncé has dropped a new album, Homecoming, and it has to go along with a documentary on Netflix that is a behind-the-scenes look at the conception and the delivery of her groundbreaking historic performance at Coachella, which shall forevermore be called Beachella. Um, I just was trying to hold back tears. I know... No, I don't know. Like, I don't actually care if you think that sounds weird. She just... I just the mastery of the execution of the elements, listening to her, knowing that she's been with me since I was like 12 years old, the soundtrack to our lives, watching her evolve, listening to this album, hearing her hit these alto contralto tones on Homecoming, and just like the gravity and the weight of her voice and how that shifted it. Also, just contemplations on breath support. Like, what does it mean to be able to sing and dance at the same time and sound better than bitches that are in the studio with help? I don't, how do you do this? What is the magic oxygen deprived chamber that you rehearse in? How do you do this? How do you do it every time? And then she sampled Fela and I just said, you know what, you're just that that force that doesn't disappoint me. You know, so many things disappoint me, like the subway, but you Beyonce, you never disappoint me. So I am living my best life. And the thing I like about, so a lot of pop music, right? It is not as, like there's not always as much depth in the original studio recording as I might like. So what I love is when you get to go to these concerts and you see an all fucking female band of black women and Latinas. No, I think actually her band is like interracial, but all black female, all female band. Or, you know, in the case of Coachella, like HBCU student bands, right? Like flipping things and inverting them and tying little pieces of different songs together with the culture and making these new arrangements that you know are going to have their own life for years and years and years. Like that, I love when I go to concerts and I hear that and you always... Get that at her concerts, like the musicianship, the arranging—I mean, everything is flawless. So, like, if you're not a fan of Beyonce, I don't even know what to say to you right now. I'm not going to entertain these like little, these faux debates we have with ourselves. I think it's really hard for people to put like women up on a pedestal, and so there comes this uh, this urge to create these little fake battles. Like, if you ask Rihanna who's a better performer, Rihanna would say Beyonce. Rihanna's not going to tell you Rihanna. She's not crazy. She, Rihanna is a stunning, beautiful, buxom, thick Rihanna, slim Rihanna. Like, she's that girl. She's got an attitude. She's, you know, but she's not, you know, vocally and dance-wise. And she, she's not crazy. She's not going to tell you that she's better than... There doesn't need to be that comparison. Rihanna's a fucking mogul that has her own lane right now. So I just... I don't like when people, I'm very suspicious of people that have much negative to say about Beyonce because it's just like, who are you going to compare, what are you going to do like compare her to like Yolanda Adams or something? Like my point in that is just saying, if you really have to start saying that you don't like her singing that much, you don't think she can sing, which I mean, she empirically can sing. So I don't really know what to say to that. But if you're really going to say stuff like that, you would almost have to go outside the realm of pop music to find anyone to reasonably compare her vocals to because she is that stellar of a vocalist now you can say you just don't like like the timbre the sound and that's the way i feel about people like i respect like i feel that way about celine dion she's you know an icon and she has amazing 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 instrument it's just not my favorite sound but i'm not going to be like celine dion can't sing like can't as in can't like perform this thing that is like a muscular breath, like, of course she can, you know? So I don't get what people say, reductive things like that. It's weird, and I'm suspicious of you, but if you listen to the show, you already know me. I like to analyze everything, so I am going to figure out why y'all insist on saying stuff like that, and what I've come upon now is just to be contrarian and to just not all the way be able to praise a woman, but I'm going to fully stand strong in my praise. She hasn't disappointed me as a public persona, really, She barely has a public persona, and that's probably why, so just chalk that up to her being more intelligent than the rest of you girls, and by girls, I mean boys. Like, you can't really get mad at that much stuff she does, because she stays to herself and makes her art and then goes home, including some, like, great parties and vacations along the way, you know, to hang out with her daughter and her twins. So... I just, I'm just so, I feel so supported by her. I feel looked out for by her. Her messaging about how she was feeling boxed in as a black woman and wants us to all feel uplifted and free to be outrageous and audacious and have your curves, have your sass, have all the things that people want us to put a cap on and limit and make ourselves smaller. And that she decided, as someone who didn't even go to college to, you know, do this homage to HBCUs, to uplift these institutions that were there for us when no other institutions were there for us. And I and I did not go to an HBCU, but I, I say this as someone who has the utmost respect for HBCUs. And I'm like, Wendy Williams, who we'll get to later. Do you remember she said? She doesn't know why we still have HBCUs or why do we have them? Is it fair? I'm like, did you just get dropped on your head like as a baby and then now? like Was your birthday celebration just getting dropped on your head every year for the amount of time you know how it's like birthday slaps it's just like there's just birthday death drops on your head I don't get I don't understand what she doesn't understand but yeah I mean there's I mean the culture like I would probably be a huge mess if I went to HBCU honestly like it took me like a couple years after leaving Princeton to like gather my self-esteem I had to move to Harlem and like Learn what it meant to be thick and that that was a positive thing. So I probably would have been just a whole ass mess if I went to an HBCU. So I was probably being protected. Um, but like I have a really good friend who would always say that he reminded me like that I would have definitely been like one of the girls like um, <laughs> he's just like you're he's just like you're dramatic. And so we would just like I would just like kick and body roll and we'd like sit down and like I mean, I love it. So thank you to B. I just, I just want to say thank you. I I didn't think that this album, it's not that I didn't, it's not that I wasn't surprised, but I, I'm not surprised that, like, the music from Baycello was used. Like, that would have been so wasteful if all that work went into just a temporary performance. But again, like, with this slick marketing to get people excited, to make it up on the internet for a limited time, as the performance was, and then to, you know, pull it away, and just when we're not thinking about it, then to bring it back in an album form, is, of course, like, you have to know that you are powerful enough to do something like that, you have to know the audience is there for you, and the audience will always be there for her, because that was, like, a year ago now, but, um, I also love that Coachella is happening right now, and she just kind of disrupted the whole thing and said hey I'm not here right is she gonna have people at Coachella like in their rooms listening to this album and missing sets like she just kind of was like "Uh, I'm not there this year but here's to remembering that I forever changed it and made it something that no one can ever replicate again also, cheers to all the black people that will not be returning because I'm not there. So for one year, you had a really diverse festival, and now you don't. Like, it's kind of shady, actually, in a way that I also enjoy. But I will be reporting back after I get to watch the whole documentary. But right now, I'm just been bopping ooh to this album, and ooh, just a, just a little shimmy in my shoulders, y'all. Just ooh, it's delicious. It's delicious. Really, really. And it's on Spotify, guys. No need to go to Tidal. So that is one thing I will say. Um, they have enough money. I don't know about this Tidal thing. I, I never understood the, what Tidal was supposed to be offering that other music streaming services didn't offer beyond just having Lemonade on it. So if any of you, like, write in or tweet me or message me on Insta and let me know what that was about. Because, I mean, I did it. I do as I'm told. Beyoncé, I do as I'm told. Bonjour, bonjour à tous. Je m'appelle jean uh, Comment vas-tu? Uh, j'espère bien. <laughs> OK. Uh, maintenant, je voudrais discuter le sujet de Notre-Dame. Uh, Notre-Dame, c'est... Oh, c'est uh, un sujet très sensitive très compliqué, très explosif. Uh, ça veut dire... Et je pense que nous devons discuter les idées les comme uh, colonialisme, racisme, les médias sociaux, choses comme ça. Tu sais? You know what I mean? <laughs> okay, so when I was 14, 14 or 15, um, I was confirmed into the Catholic Church, and I chose the name Geneviève, is the patron saint of France. If this seems weird, I don't, I want to be consistent. You know, like you're either going to be excited or disappointed that I continually turn out to be weirder than you initially thought when you first subscribed, subscribe to the podcast. So yeah, um, I picked the name jean I had never been to France yet. I just liked that it was, you know, some accent graves. So you could say Vievre, Jean-Vievre. I just, it's fun to say. I was in French class, and I loved my teachers. They were great. And then later, as a young adult and an adult, like in college, I went spent significant time in France and had a ball, had the best times of my life, some of the best times of my life. and just beautiful, beautiful place, um, great, the culture I enjoyed. I enjoyed the, you know, just things like the relaxation, the bonding with family and friends, the eating time, the sitting down and enjoying things that, the shorter work week, just some things that we don't have down in this die working and keep going and go to work and see on people, American culture. And so I really, that resonated with me. But I'm actually surprised, maybe surprising to some, maybe not. Like I love the South of France, but I'm not, Paris is not, it's an amazing city, but it's not my like, um, I don't know. It's just not my like top vacation destination. I'd rather go to the South Maybe it's because I come from another urban center, New York. So, boom. Notre Dame. Boom. Um, Credits to last night. Had a rousing discussion about Notre Dame with sis Chrissy Etienne, my dear friend. She's famous in New York. I look like her. We look alike, and I get mistaken for her all the time. People approach me, strangers, and say that I look like their friend Chrissy. It's really funny. But she helped me kind of see just some deeper levels to a topic that, you know, it was hitting me one way, but she showed me some other ways, so I appreciate her for that. And we had a rousing debate, and it wasn't, it was a debate, but like, we kind of were just both approaching something from her taking like the meaning, the like, dra- to me, doing a better job of making meaning out of a quote than the woman who said it, and to me, I was just like, not happy with the way she phrased it. So we'll get into that. But as you probably know, Paris is burning, y'all. That was a bad pun. I'm sorry. So Notre Dame, 850-year-old church, draws 13 million visitors a year to Paris, which is the most visited city in the world, which I actually didn't know. Um, It's set on fire. The cause of the fire is not known yet. Um, Before the fire, the church already needed $40 million in repairs because these old... Churches are kind of like, well, let me not let, let Monsignor Patrick Chauvet tell you. Um, this. In this quote from the New York Times, it says, the cause of the fire was not immediately known, but it appeared to have begun in the interior network of wooden beams, many dating back to the Middle Ages, and nicknamed the forest, said the cathedral's rector, Monsignor Patrick Chauvet. I'm going to just say that I don't know if it sounds really safe to have the interior workings of your building made out of wood. Just the name, the forest. I don't, that doesn't inspire confidence in the structure of that. So this kind of was an inevitable thing at some point. And also the church has been set on fire before during, it was damaged in the 1790s during the French Revolution. But this church is a very, it's a cultural center of France. Um, and especially of Paris, um, Napoleon was crowned inside, many kings and queens, and it, queens? I might have made up the queens part just to be equitable. I, I'm going to say kings. And it was home to the crown of thorns that Jesus is believed to have worn at his crucifixion, in, including other relics. Um, uh, Joan of Arc was beatified there. Is that how he's Beatified? I am a lapsed Catholic, and I can't say words anymore. Um, so that was like 1909, um, so which means she was made into a saint there. Um, the pope is the one that can can do that, so he did that. So lots of historical relevance, a huge tourist attraction, and very, very old, you know, the kind of hallmark of French Gothic architecture, so artistically, historically, a significant building. And famous, um, you know, it, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, Quasimodo lives up in there, so famous. Disney, we, we, we know this, we know this place, World, the world over. So, that brings us to the reactions to the fire. Now, I saw two very polarizing reactions on the internet that had me a little bit Uh, wanting nuance, just wanting nuance. I saw people gnashing their teeth and rending their garments like their grandma had died. Like Americans who might not even have ever been to France, been to Paris. Just real upset. Real upset. People that I don't know if they really like ever been to a museum. Just, I was questioning their investment. Yes, because I'm a bitch. I was questioning their investment. I was. Because that's the way I am. So then I also saw like extru- the militant crew, the militant posse being like, fuck these white tears. You, f- you, f- who cares? Let it burn, burn, baby, burn. Disco Inferno. And I was just like, okay. I- is there, like-, like, why do y'all care about this? No, you Okay, so I really felt like I was stuck between a rock and a hard place, which is what I was talking to Chrissy about last night. To me, you know, what does it mean... Like, I wasn't, I'm looking in my heart to feel sad, and I don't think I feel sad. I don't. The news, as a black person who's a woman, as an empathetic person, the news, walking down the street and seeing depravity, and I don't mean depravity in a denigrating way. I mean seeing, like, people that I wish I could help that don't have a home and, like, wondering what are they going to sleep tonight, because... I got a pedicure because it said it was 65 degrees outside, but it dropped to 40, and I'm fucking uncomfortable. So what is... I got my door, and I'm like, I say a prayer for the homeless people tonight that, you know, we're hanging out in the parks and thought spring was coming because I saw them in the park, in Union Square Park and stuff, and now, you know, it's so windy. It felt like a damn hurricane Tuesday night um, in downtown Manhattan. So I, I have these things that take up place in my heart before an old building that has fallen down before and was not even the, you know, this iteration of the building is not even the original one. I do have other things in my heart. So when I searched it to say, to find out if I felt sad, I don't know if sad is the word. I might've felt like wistful, surprised. Like I remember just things in your mind can be a, what's the word? They can kind of be just like this foundational anchor like you assume that that monument is going to be there you assume it's there and to turn on the computer yesterday and see an image of it falling was shocking it was also scary because i was i thought is this a terrorist attack what is it before i just was like oh girl like these buildings are old and you know kind of like refreshed myself on the fact that many many synagogues cathedrals they are you know they would be condemned if they were not historical monuments They're not up to code for fire safety and we kind of leave them alone as much as we can because they're monuments and historically relevant and we don't want to, you know, mess with the architecture and the original construction and stuff like that. So I, you know, I was shocked at first and I was interested, but once I found out no one was hurt, no, it wasn't something that I was going to stay watching the minute-to-minute updates about like it was a school shooting or, a, or a, you know, one of the many public shootings we have in New York and something that required me to go to a vigil or feel this kind of, those kinds of feelings. No, I did not feel that for an inanimate object. I just didn't. So I totally get the people who are just like skeptically looking at people, you know, gnashing of teeth and rending of garments and just being like, are you okay, sis? Like, you need to calm down, especially if you're not French or Parisian. You need to calm down a little bit. I get that. I get that. However, it just seemed like I was being told by certain people on the Internet, you shouldn't care at all. Like, this shouldn't even interest you. Like, you don't have – and I hate that whole, like, you don't have the brain capacity to be interested in different topics. Like, I told Chrissy, like, I'm also super interested in this cassowary that killed its owner, which we will talk about later, because did you know that they're a class two predator, like alligators? Did you know that this bird is like an alligator? I bet you didn't know, because I didn't know, okay? I knew they was in Fern Gully, the last rainforest, but I didn't know that they were out here killing bitches. So, you know, I I buck against that whole... You can't be interested in more than one thing. Why do you care? Blah blah blah. Like there are a small contingent of us that care about history and art history and have like reasons that it was significant. Maybe you wrote a paper about it in grade school, something like that. So I just felt like the extreme, like how, like how do you have a reaction? Da, 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 da. And then like kind of the provocative, like ha ha bitches, your fucking monuments on fire, you bitch asses. <laughs> like I thought it was a little bit much. I did, um, just because. But you know my my reasons. Chrissy helped me understand that my reasons for thinking it was a bit much might not be the best, um, because I have stated I'm okay with making people feel. I do feel like 2019 is our time to make people feel uncomfortable about racial topics. To be like, hey, the things that I go through every day, you get to know about them too. Because until our society heals as a whole, the world over, like if we're all people and we're all equal, this is all of our problems. So this is, we are living in this very interesting time with Me Too, with black Twitter just acting up and calling everybody the fuck out. We are living in a time where white people get, and I'm not saying I have sympathy for them because I'm not sure that I do. I'm not sure that that's the word for it, but I, I guess maybe I empathize that something different is happening for people to deal with where they are called out all the time in a way that could seem kind of aggressive. I don't think it's, like, out of order. I just think it's, like, a new thing that perhaps can feel negative sometimes. But, I mean, we are none of us spared from feeling, you know, uncomfortable sometimes. So all that is to say that I, I do support, like, the call-out culture and stuff. I do. Of, of those topics. Not, like, don't apply that to everything. But, like, I do support that. But I just kind of felt, like, what is our point here This is a kind of aggro way to draw attention to any of your issues about colonialism or, you know, why these artifacts matter. And I guess, so first let me say, anytime there's a racial divide in the way people are reacting to something, that's interesting to me and that's worth exploring. So yes, there was a stark racial divide between the people online saying that they were really sad and the people that weren't. So that did lead me to think, like, what is it about the fact that everyone who knows me knows I'm like, obsessed with France, and I, i who spent a lot of time there, who tries to still retain the language, did not feel the need to get on the internet, like, crying about this, but peop- other people, like, white people, felt the need to signal this, and I was calling it virtue signaling, like, elitist signaling, just, like, relevancy signaling, kind of, like, those were the ways that I would categorize that, those posts, but... Christy help me understand that like you can't separate the colonialism out of all of that because i just felt like obviously people do care like obviously this is newsworthy it's old it's famous there was a book written about it there you know and i still do feel that a little bit like i don't feel like we totally agree on just the idea of people wanting to be part of conversations that are large news stories Um, and have something to say about them, people signaling that they know what something old is and famous is. But her point, which I have to say does kind of, not cancel out my point, but it is kind of the underpinnings for everything else we could go on to talk about, is that this is a colonial symbol, and that is part of the reason why a lot of people are mad. And I do think even some people who don't know what they're having a reaction to uh, which I kind of was like, well, I don't think I think there are people who don't know that France was a colonial power on either side. Like I don't think, you know, there are some people that are not aware about of Senegal and Cote d'Ivoire and uh, Mauritius and uh, Martinique and uh, like I I just think that there are some people that, you know, don't put France up there as like problematic countries, and or in Haiti in Haiti where Chrissy is from. Um, I think there are people that don't put them, France up there as problematic countries, and I think that there are people who they probably were just on their first level was just reacting to like white people like being really extra about something in, in their perception. But I have to say, like Chrissy's point was that the reason that we this thing is famous because it is a colonial power. It was built on the backs of colonial power. It is. You know, even to me to, like, re- be, re- be reminded that it burned down, not burned down, but was damaged during the French Revolution, was like, wow, it's such a symbol that the last time people were trying to change some shit for the better, they got damaged. And, like, then to really think about the Catholic Church and all of that that history of wealth and greed and, and colonialism and not coming for anyone's, like, faith, but we all know that faith is not the same thing as the way powerful old institutions have operated throughout the world. That's a different thing. So it, it is it is something that, you know, if it rubs you the wrong way to see people acting out like this, it it is valid to say that like this symbol is a negative symbol to you. I don't think I thought of it as a negative symbol to you, to me. And that brought up as a lot a lot of questions about what does it mean to be a funkophile? What does it mean that I want to move to like the South of France, but I don't want to move to the South of Africa? Like what does that mean? You know, and then I had to say, but you know, we're here. However we got here, we're here. So I am someone who has was raised in a western culture and the places that I visit are other the most are other countries that I can expect that kind of operate a little bit similarly to you know the place that I grew up in, which is America. Um, like, there's a bunch of questions about who gets to claim their connection to like a colonial power and what that means. So I feel like my desire for nuance was just a little bit like, hey guys, obviously people care a little bit, but also, hey guys on you, can you guys calm down because you're you're doing a lot right now. It is an old building that's a historical building, but you're doing a lot. I am not, as much as I enjoy France, I'm not like an expert on French culture, so I do think that as a country that's not, you know, that's older than America, that's a little bit people, a, a lot of countries that are not the United States approach their statehood like differently. They approach their nationalism quite differently and they, you know, it, I think it means something different to people from there, so I'm going to let them have that for now, cause just because I, it's out of my depth to really go into, but yeah, I'm going to say, like, if we're focusing on the reactions here, there is something really interesting to look at, but what my main um, argument with Chrissy was about was a post that someone made saying that, like, look, hey, a, a mosque in Jerusalem burned down where people actually go to, and then you know no one paid money for that but look this cathedral that no one actually like goes to church in burned down and we're acting crazy and so i just felt like to me that tweet represented something i don't want to put on the front lines of our activism our talking points our talking heads like i wouldn't want the person that wrote that to be on fox news arguing with some people i don't think it's a good example i, I do think that However, colonialism made certain things more famous and more powerful and more evocative. And, you know, they say the conqueror is the person that gets to write history. So Victor Hugo wrote The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Disney made it into a movie. Everyone knows who Quasimodo is. There might be some better stories in countries that have been absolutely destroyed by colonialism and greed that did not rise to the top that we don't know. But if we could start from now, we do know, most most people know what Notre Dame is, but they don't know what non-famous churches and synagogues, et cetera, et cetera, are. And so I didn't feel like it was a good example to compare like a building that's an individual building to Notre Dame. I didn't feel like it was a good example to compare the fact that people actually worship at this mosque versus that Notre Dame is mostly a tourist attraction, although it has Catholic relics. So the hardcore Catholics do go where the relics are. For people that just think it's just a tourist attraction, these buildings do have significance to people that are practitioners of the Catholic faith. However, so I, I just didn't think that was a strong example. I just thought someone would say what I would say, which is like, well, one building is more famous. And and then, I, I don't know, I just felt like, and I also didn't feel like faith in itself you know i didn't feel like you can try to weigh two things that are just different lanes like the fact that people use this building for a thing still like like worshiping does not make it better than you know that's a that's that brings up questions about the issues of you know separation of church and state like does the fact that people still use this other building to worship and make it better or a more worthwhile building than a building that people visit 13 you know 13 million people visit a year for tourism purposes or perhaps some religious iconography purposes. So I wasn't ready to concede that the fact that people worship in one makes it better, and I wasn't ready to compare a church, a famous church, with a building that's not famous. I just feel like those kinds of things don't get us very far. Um, Chrissy made some amazing points about how, you know, that that in itself could be a statement about colonialism, you know, mosque in Jerusalem, currently with the way that Islamic people are being oppressed right now and the world over, and then comparing it with this, you know, Catholic colonial power. However, I felt like that was kind of more, doing more with the tweet than the tweet gave us. I just feel like we are in such a time, and Ilhan Omar has shown us this, that we have to be very exact with our words, and there is no... Such thing as this sort of safe space. I know even everything I I'm saying to you guys can be twisted around and will probably be used against me later when I announce my run for presidential candidate 2020. Um, <laughs> just kidding, I'm not. Although I should. <laughs> Why not throw your hat in the ring at this point? Um, like I I know that I don't think like there's a safe space to tweet shorthand stuff that is just like not a smart argument and not good any an argument anymore because. People are taking that and mobilizing it against us, against the left. So I feel like we just have to be very exacting in our words and bring all the points we want to have to the table. And I would welcome people... Chrissy, I know you listen. I, I hope you can lay out everything as clearly as you laid it out to me to really let people know why this is bothering some people the wrong way. It's not just that it's petty It's not just that they're just being contrarian. I really do think that it can make people uncomfortable to watch people acting this way over, well, first of all, a building with history like it it has, and second of all, a building. And so we left the conversation last night saying we just wanted nuance, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want people to just people to be like, burn, bitch, burn. And then other people to be like, I feel like I don't know what I don't know I should do anymore. I th- I had plans to go on vacation in 2035. I don't know. Look at picture. You know, I it was too much. However, I've I'm I'm not in burn baby burn camp, but I was pissed when I saw. The financial part, okay, it is one thing to say, sorry, something happened to you. Sorry, you lost a monument. Oh, and I also wanted to point out that to me, I I, I felt the way, I felt the, the way, like burn baby burn. I feel that way about like these monuments around the United States that have been taken down, like Civil War monuments. And it was just, I was having a hard time comparing like the hatred I have for those images to the church. But I've come to think, like, I really shouldn't make that distinction that just because, you know, the church is older and stuff like that, that it can hold less painful thoughts for people. You know, I was speaking last night to someone who is from a country that was colonized by the French, you know, so that's really powerful. It was very powerful to me to take off my Americanness and be like, well, this is offensive to me because it means this and this and this and see, like, how different symbols can mean things to different people around the world. So, boom. So, that was all great. Thank you again, Chrissy. Then, I had, i know I had a whole conversation with her, and she wasn't here. It's because, look, I'm recording this really guerrilla style today, and again, we just—you'll find out later—but it's—it's interesting. But if I would have had her here uh, in my faux studio today, I would have, if I could have. But anyway, that was—that was that part. So we've dissected the internet reactions. Boom. Let's go to the fact of what's happening actually, how this is mobilizing people. Because now I'm irritated. Okay. So it's one thing to send allies and neighboring countries a note and be like, hey, boo, I'm sorry that this happened. But we're all world superpowers. You're the sixth richest country in the world. You'll figure it out. And also, it's not a humanitarian crisis. So you'll, you'll extra figure it out. Right? No. I turn on the internet to find out that Sarah Meltyface Sanders said in a statement that the U.S. will offer assistance in the rehabilitation of this irreplaceable symbol of Western civilization. Okay, now consider me triggered. I'm triggered. I'm officially triggered. My nuance is gone. I'm triggered. What? Why? 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 Flint doesn't have clean water. Puerto Rico is still still so... like. We don't. Do we have money for this? I'm confused. I thought we were trying to build a wall, guys. What's going on? What's our focus? What are we doing? Which Which one is it? Do we have money? Do we not have money? I don't. I don't get it. I, I really don't. I'm trying to understand, but you keep contradicting yourself. That is unnecessary. We do not have to give them money. Superpowers don't have to give other superpowers money for buildings. Like you can send a thank you card. You can. You can send a note. You can send a hallmark. You can send an e card. This is unnecessary. I. Then I was just like, no, this is, we're going too far. It's too much. Um, immediately, they already raised $670 million. Uh, Bernard Pinot of Louis Vuitton has raised, he donated $300 million in funding within hours. And to be clear, he is worth $90 billion, $91 billion. So like maybe just pay the whole thing. Henri Pinot, he donated three hundred. million million also he only has um 30 billion so he's poor um and then i want to thank carl kinsella of joe magazine online because he laid out the financials really well because already as i was reading that i was like hmm they have billions of dollars like maybe they should just give more he said that the that donation was like if we have three thousand dollars in our savings account and we donated ten dollars that's equivalent um, so yeah, so the city of Paris has $10 million donated t- towards that already, and just for reference, France has 140,000 homeless people, 30,000 of them children, but 9 million people, 8.8 million people below the poverty line. And now I'm upset. See, that's what it took, okay? It's one thing to like be criticizing people's emotional, pseudo-intellectual relevancy cries and also just our obsession with things that are old and European. That's, and I'm reading myself, like read me as much as you want to. Like that's one thing. But to donate money, like your taxes at the end of the year, when you're like making financial, when you're all the contributions you could have damn made, you're going to say I helped rebuild Notre Dame. Not like I helped donate to a homeless shelter. Like that's what you're going to do. I am judging. I am judging. I'm judging as much as I judge. And and I am, I am a charity judger. So I don't, if that bothers people, that's too bad. But I'm a charity judge. I have questions about Lisa Vanderpump's dogs over people mentality. I, I judge people's charity causes. I do, because I, I just think people are more important than buildings. And so that's, that's what I was like, okay, I'm not okay. I, I read this guy, 45-year-old market, marketing director, Pierre Guillaume Bonet, says, it's like losing a member of one's own family. For me, there are so many memories tied up in it. I don't feel that way about any building. You know, I lost, I did lose members of my family. And we moved away from where I grew up, Buffalo, New York. And the house that I grew up in and across the street was the house that my grandparents lived in. And those houses are no longer ours. I'm really sad when I happen to be in Buffalo and I drive by them. It's really hard for me to drive by them. But it's the memories of the humans that made it special, not the actual buildings. Like, if I found out the buildings had been burned in a fire... It would be sad, but I don't know. Maybe I lived there, you know? We have to have some sort of reserve about these sort of hyperbolic statements, and I think that now that I'm fully abreast of the financial incentives, I can see why people are more irritated because it's, it's too much. If your, na- your next-door neighbor, you know, loses their patio lawn furniture in a fire... You, you don't have to replace it. Like, you would help them if they were homeless. You don't have to buy your, you know, Bob, who you have this rivalry with anyway, like a new barbecue when his explodes. That's not necessary. Send a card and bring over some, some cupcakes and muffins. So I was on the subway before this, and I was leaving at 1 45th, and I see this girl, women check each other out all the time, straight women. It's a question people have. We do. We, we're like, oh, my God, you're so pretty. You're so pretty. I like your hair. I like your shoes. It's just a thing. It's, it's a community. So I saw this girl who had these crochet dreads that I was like, ooh, those kind of look like something I would wear. So I was just checking out her hair anyway. All in a split second. So we're walking past, and this guy turns around, runs down the stairs after her. Like she's we're, Me and this dude are walking towards her. He passes her. Then he turns around runs down the stairs towards her and grabs her. And I just look because, first of all, I'm on the lookout for sudden movements. As an aware person who's trying to stay alive, I'm I'm just on the lookout. Secondly, he grabbed this girl, and I'm like, I live right near City College, so a lot of people are students, and you can't really tell because it's a murky age from, like, 20 to 30. I don't know how old people are, what they're doing. But, like, it was a little late night for that crowd, so I was just like, hmm, what's... What's happening? And she just, I saw her shake her head, say no, and like walk away. So then I continue to walk. He confronts me and says, why are you looking at me so hard? And I'm like, fool, I'm not looking at your dumbass. I am trying to not get whatever happened to her. I'm like, if someone's out here grabbing people, I'm going to look. And I told him, I was like, I just was wondering if you knew her since you grabbed her. And he's like, no, I didn't. I was trying to Mac. That's what a Mac does. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I just turned around and walked. No, I said, oh, you grab people? You don't know? Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I walked up the stairs, and he continued to walk after me. And then he said, a real G, look, this is what you got to do. You show them your stacks. And he took out, like, this giant, thick wad of bills, like, and spread it out. Like in a movie. Like, no one actually does that in real life. Or so I thought. And I, I was like, oh, Okay. So how did it how did that work for you? Because I'm you already know. And he said <laughs> it didn't because she has a boyfriend that must he must be taking good care of her. And I was like, "Okay." Continued to walk up the hill. And then he turns around and shows me his hands which have these like diamond rings on them. Like ice. You got to show him your ice, you know? And I was like, "Oh, yeah. Wow. Really nice. Like how many care great. And then I just, I live on Sugar Hill, so I just paused and let him walk up the hill because I'm, you know, I'm obviously a little bit provocative. I read the room. I read the room, but I I didn't want to have this whole conversation continue any further. It was really bizarre. And I'm glad I was walking behind him and not in front of him, towards him, because if he had grabbed me, I probably would have karate chopped him in the throat. This is just, I'm on level 10 now with, like, my personal space, and I just feel like my instincts are to, um, to fight people, Street Fighter style, to send fireballs out of my hands. I just want to, like, get out of my space. You creepy Uncle Joe Biden, don't touch me. You don't touch me. Nobody touch me. Midnight. Okay, so for some quicker news segments, Kim Kardashian is studying to become a lawyer, Um, She's not going to law school. She's taking the route that I actually became aware of because it was being used by, like, black and brown people in underrepresented communities, which is in California and I think four other states, three other states, including California, four other states, (laughs) including California, so three other states other than California, you can study, you can do, like, a, you have a set number of hours you have to study, and then you can take the bar, and so you don't actually have to go to law school, which... I'm going to be honest, the lawyers I know, and I know many, um, they learned a lot on the job and law school is a lot of tests and really stressful. And I could see how studying things on your own, I can see how there's a way that would be effective as well. And I mean, if, if at the end of the day, you can pass the bar, then you learn something, right? So anyway, I mean, I don't think Kim Kardashian doing this route is, should be taken as an opportunity to you know, denigrate this whole method of becoming a lawyer without some careful thought. But, you know, people are going ham and it's kind of funny to me because it's like, so we hate her because she takes a lot of naked pictures and is shallow. And like, their whole relationship with blackness I've covered elsewhere. Um, Hers is approaching less problematic than some stuff her sisters have said. Well, Chloe specifically has said. I don't, their fetish is an issue. But... People hate her because she sleeps with black men and she takes naked pictures and blah, 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 and she's frivolous and she's on the internet all the time and she represents like vapidness and nothingness, so we just stare into the void. So I kind of want to know why people are dragging her now for trying to do something that these same ideals would probably term as more useful, um, more rigorous intellectually than taking pictures on Instagram. Which one is it? So after someone is, like, a Instagram thoughty-thought-thought, thought, they should just, like, die and go shrivel up into the abyss because they can't do another? They can't have a second turn of life when they're almost, like, 40, a second phase? Or, yeah, like, what exactly are her options? I just want to know. And then if, you've, if you think about it, um, her dad was, like, a famous lawyer. And I'm not saying that, you know, having a parent that does something – makes you good at it but it definitely kind of gives you this working vernacular background understanding of certain things and it gives you like a way in you know I don't know what is a way in you know what I'm trying to say it's just like she's around it she would know if she was interested in it and she liked it so it's actually not quite as crazy as it seems it could kind of be everything coming full circle but I just think it's interesting to watch people just be mad mad either way. Wendy Williams is getting divorced, or at least separating from her husband, finally. Fucking finally. I mean, she said on her show, apparently the motto of the show, which I never knew, is their business is our business, which sure, just embrace being like, awful. Like, I didn't know that. But she was like, it's kind of funny, because now my business is your business. It's like, girl, it always was. You always had some kind of business, but all right, So, she said that, you know, I've been dealing with alcoholism. So she finally like named explicitly her you know, someone had said that she went to the sober house because she was worried that she was drinking too much. And I was like, and wanted to nip it in the bud before it started. I was like, I don't know. Just 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 say what it is, girl. So she said, you know, I've been dealing with alcoholism and living in a sober house and nothing like being in a room, in a concrete room, you know, staring at the waffle ceilings. I'm paraphrasing, an awful room with nothing much to do but think about your life, like helps clear things out for you. And she said it was the best thing that ever happened to her. So that was, I wanted to go full shade and just say, hey, I am a flawed person who made bad decisions for 20 years. Like, I should have left this man a long time ago. But, you know, this is what we get right now. And he's made a statement saying that he loved her for, you know, 20 years, 28 years, something like that. And He made mistakes. He's sorry for his recent actions. Um, To me, I don't know, unless they're like 100 years old, I don't think messing around with a mistress for like the past seven years is... I think you've been messing up for a long time. I wouldn't call it recent. I think that's very generous press release speak, but okay. So now the issue is that Wendy's worth $40 million and they don't have a prenup. So this is going to get really messy and... It's very interesting when, f- you know, she's almost not mainstream enough to get reported on that much by, not that she's not mainstream enough, you know, she's just, un. people consider her unsavory. So, it. this saga with her husband didn't get covered by that much um, of what we would call like reputable, that many reputable news sources, we would say. So, now I'm just like, well, how much of the things that you always read on these like blogs... The kind of blogs where if you don't click the next for advertisement. You know, the kind of blogs that are formatted for the browser and when you get to your cell phone, they don't even work right. I'm looking at you, like Media Takeout and some other things like that. Like, how many things on there were true? Because this is kind of where we've been getting our news from and now there's actually some confirmation from her. Interesting, I guess, you know, we'll just have to, you know, maybe I'll make the motto of, maybe that'll be the motto of cake and kombucha, like Wendy's business is our business. I don't know. procrastinated telling this story because the following seems redundant it keeps happening and it's so hurtful and infuriating so right now there are four public safety officers remember that fact there are pub they are public safety officers are on administrative leave because they attacked essentially a black columbia student so this student was entering Barnard's campus. This is all 20 blocks from where I live. Um, Barnard is... It used to be an all-women's school um, back when they didn't let women go to college. um, So uh, that was associated with Columbia. So they're like sister schools. And to go through the little... Like over... Like the kind of archway thing, you theoretically have to show your ID, but people don't really do it. Um, And especially none of the white students are asked. So this kid specifically ignored he heard them ask he didn't do it because he um it's not enforced with a white student so he didn't want to do it i fully relate to that like this is something that could happen to me and sort of does like i ignore people when they do racist shit i just try to give them a second chance to like rethink that i i just think like we both know that you're full of shit so let's just maybe i'm not the one you're going to try with let's just not do that so i fully like would have continued to walk as well And he, that's what he did. He walked. um, Four guards started chasing this guy. They ended up in the, like, teaching center, uh, the, the education center. And it was inside of Pete's Coffee that they had him pinned against a counter, grabbing him. And this video, thankfully someone caught it on video, is so painful. Like, my stomach hurt when I was watching it. He's screaming, I'm a student, I'm a student, let me go. And they are in true police fashion. They obviously learned this from the real police, even though they couldn't even achieve that. They hold his arms down against the counter while they're telling him to get his ID, which is like that's what we do, right? We say, don't move. Go in your pocket. I'm going to shoot you because you moved. Where's your ID? You didn't show me ID, so you're resisting arrest. So play playbook. So he, they're holding him. He's yelling, I'm a student. I'm a student. Like, let me get the ID. Um, get off my body. Why are you touching me? There's no reason for you to be touching me. And to give you a full picture of what's happening, it's not like they have him, like, hands on the counter frisking him. They have just thrown him back against the counter. So, like, butt on top of the counter, laying back with with one of them, like, on top of him, like, tackled him. So then he brings out his ID. They look at his ID. It says he's a Columbia student. And they say, well, we have to run it to see if it's if you're really a student, if you're an active student. Um, okay, so this is the part that also happens, and it happens with police too. People just don't know their rights well enough to combat it, and then you get shot for our talking back because you know it's like the fucking overseer time, can't be uppity. But he, there is no law saying you have to be an active student. Like we are changing, we keep changing the guidelines. First, you think he's a menace. Now you're telling this nigga he can't afford school. Like, he can't – you didn't pay your tuition. So, like, you can't walk across the grass to, like, possibly, like, walk into a financial aid office or some shit you might need to do. Like, it's it was just madness. So then they started telling him, you know, he's not an active student. They're not sure. And then they took his ID. And the guy says the cop's – The the not cops, let me not use that shorthand that they are not. These security guards get punitive and petty and then they say, Well, we're just gonna take this, you know, we're just gonna take this, we have to see something. And then so finally some allies step in, which include like a white some white girl students, Asian students, a black girl, and they're and they're alarmed to see someone that you know, their peer being assaulted essentially. And so they start speaking up, and, and they said, well, he was running across campus. He was running. Like, he ran through the gates. He ran through the gates. And then the debate is whether he ran or not. They, the girls say, well, he, no, he didn't run. He walked here. He didn't run. He walked here. And one of them says to the black girl, so do you know? Oh, so you can just clock how fast he was running? Do you just have a gauge of that? Um, bitch, do you have a gauge of that? She didn't say that, but... Like I said, I can't, I don't know if I'm set up for these situations. And then she was like, um, no, I just, and he told her, well, you, you're being aggressive. He threatened her. So that's what happens when you speak up, you know, and that's why it's so important to have white allyship because the black girl who tried to say something, she was next. She was next. He got aggressive with her. And she literally said, she pulled a Kalechi move. It was like, stop talking to me. Like, I can't tell you. It doesn't happen all the time, but, like, every once in a while I do have to tell someone, like, I'm not sure why you're speaking to me like this, but please don't speak to me anymore. And she just said, stop talking to me. Okay, well, okay. So now you're just harassing students that are upset that you're attacking another student. You are idiots. You have no contingency plan. You're acting out of order. You're acting lawlessly. You're trying to enforce things that aren't even, like, a law. If anything, it's, like, a campus rule. And then when you're called on it, you don't even know how to like, you don't even know how to fall into things that aren't racist to like explain your actions. So this black man can't run? Like he can't run now. I mean, the fact that that became a point of discussion is so bogus. Like just admit you don't like uppity black kids walking around freely at this expensive university. That's what it is. I'm getting very sick of hearing people say they're scared of this and they're scared of this because like the trope for tolerism. Whoa. Whoa. Guys, no. That's a no, 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 no. That's not a word. Tolerance. No trope for tolerance is like, you know, we have to not be scared of people that are not. I don't really think that people see black people like, Oh, boo! Oh my god. Like I actually think you don't like us. Like some of some of you. Some, we are hated by some people. We are resented. We have negative... Like, there's that's the only explanation for so many of these phone calls to the police and these videos that are that go viral with people. You know, the girl that followed the black man to his apartment because she wasn't sure if he really lived there and demanded to see his keys and all that. I mean, this keeps happening over and over again. It happened to me in my building, I think I've told the story before of the lady who shut the door in my face. I had grocery bags. And then I ended up pushing in, like, getting into the little vestibule. and We had a standoff. Like, this is not the way you, as she told me, "We we just had some problems in the building. Yep, you had thieves that came to spread their whole foods around. I came to rob you and pass out blueberries and Icelandic yogurt. I don't believe you are not scared of me you are trying to antagonize me and I think the sooner that we can phrase this properly the sooner we can recognize what it is this kid did not look scary he looked like a hippie he had he looks like he skateboards and like does that what are those balls that people use to like kick hacky sack he looked like if hacky sack was still in he'd be doing that he looks like a college student You're playing games. You wanted to show him who's boss. You wanted to show him what's what and put him in his place. And you think that you own our bodies and that you can touch them and do whatever you want to them. And I am just sick of being people being put on administrative leave. What do that mean? Why can't people who do shit wrong get fired? It is so easy for everyone else who means well to mess up once and get fired. But it's always the people that are physically assaulting people that have to that has to be thoroughly investigated. I bet you if I hauled off and punched some bitches at my job, I would get fired that same day. I I don't I don't get that. Someone's gonna have to explain that part to me. Because despite what Candace Owens first in her name, thinnest in her edges, would have you believe people there is a contingent of people who actively want to have America be the way it used to be. I mean, they wear these hats that say that on it. <laughs> it's, it's not the hardest thing to, to, to suss out when people announce it and, and brand uh, merchandise with it. But they want things to stay white that used to be white. So they don't want us to be able to feel comfortable going to colleges. They don't want us to feel comfortable owning homes and be able to get mortgages, and they are happy with the redlining and the institutional structures that were set up to keep us out of spaces. And that's those are just facts. I mean, it's a fact that things like this were written into the law, and it's a fact that people are going around wearing hats that say they like things the way they used to be. Those are facts. We can't, like, pick... If you if you just like that bras used to be pointy, say that you you miss pointy bras, you know? Say that you like drinking Ovaltine specifically at the malt shop but if you just generally want to make America the way it was then you've, you've said what you meant to say and I've received that. We we don't, I don't like you. I see you. You see me. We see each other to quote the great NeNe Lakes and Candy Burris. Okay? So, yeah. I mean that's where I am with that. I need us to stop with the like, oh, he was scary. Oh, it was perceived there. Oh, like lots of these people are just hunting black people and they say it in email memos like they they say that and have memes about it so then are we going to get surprised when that's what happens no we need some kind of rigorous empathy testing we need college degrees No, we need something that makes being a cop more elitist and I'm not trying to be financially elitist by saying college degrees I'm just saying there has to be you can't be a doctor without going to school right so like There has to, people who have people's lives in their hands, there has to be some sort of way of making sure that they're not someone that just wanted a good pension and to be able to beat people up, because that's where we are. Are you tired of people messing with you on the subway? Do you wish you could be intimidating to guys that try to grab you and show you their large wards of cash? Great, we've got enough for that. It's called Ubered. Ooh bird lets you rent your very own exotic bird. Just open the app and match to an exotic bird that's in your area. Our birds will escort you around the city, and if anyone messes with you or does something you don't like, they'll kill them. It's very simple. Then our cleanup crew will follow to clean up the mess. Just send us your GPS location, and make sure your bird is somewhat under control, because if not, well... It it kind of defeats the purpose if the bird kills you too. The exotic bird you didn't know you needed. Now in flavors like ostrich, cassowary, emu, and for a limited amount of time, dodo. Don't sleep on this great offer. Our birds have really taken their vitamins and they're ready to go. Ooh, bird So I mentioned that I was interested in this cassowary story and I am, because when I was growing up, my favorite movie was Fern Gully and the Last Rainforest. Fern Gully was one of those movies that had excellent advertising to children to the point where, I don't know if you remember when you would like have merchandise and stuff from a movie you hadn't even seen yet. I remember asking my grandparents to take me and they were like, No, we're not doing that tonight. Like I think they were more apt to take me to like live theater or opera or something, but I just remember wanting to go and I think I only ended up seeing it on VHS, but I wore that VHS out. That movie is a lovely environmentalist cartoon about a fairy who meets a human and he gets shrinked down. He's a he's a woodcutter. Is that a what's the word for someone who cuts wood? Like the not fairy tale word. I don't know. That's what he does. He cuts wood. I guess he probably works in construction looking back but he was like cutting down trees and it's all about not cutting down the trees and can't you feel its pain the tree is crying and they had it's it's like a tropical place that i guess looking at the the animals they had in the movie could be australia could be new guinea but two of the characters were cassowaries which are birds and i realized that the gap in my knowledge about cassowaries is from the movie to now cuz with this story that happened recently, I don't. I realized I don't think I'd ever seen like a real picture of them, that wasn't the cartoon birds. In the movie, they were like Tweedledee, Tweedledum, kind of like doofy birds. In real life, they are killing machines. So there was a guy that had a, a cassowary f- as a pet, and so as I'm reading, I was just like, nah, because I just don't mess with birds like that, right? I didn't know that it was the most dangerous bird in the world, which it is. It's the most dangerous bird in the world. I just knew that they're big and I don't, like, I don't want a bird that's as tall as me. I don't I don't like that. So, come to find out, they are a class two predator, which is, like, class two contains, like, alligators and crocodiles and stuff. Class one is lions and tigers and bears. Um, they can be up to 167 pounds and jump seven feet in the air. So just imagine me at my goal weight when I'm super fit, jumping seven feet in the air. (laughs) That's scary, right? I mean, and that's for the women. The men. Oh, the men are actually lighter. Also my life. So I was just like, no, this is not something you're supposed to have in your house. And then the gag is like, they really do look like dinosaurs. I'm like, wow, birds are so... The descendants of dinosaurs, like they have, the cassowaries have this bone thing on their head. It it looks like it would be like plumage, but it's a bone, and it looks like a triceratops or some shit. They have these glossy black coats and bright blue necks and a really scary mean beak. They have these talons on their their toes that can cut through. They could just slice through prey, like with kicking them. They just one swift kick, and you're dead. So. I'm not about to mess with that. And so this guy had it as a pet. He was like 70 years old, and apparently he had taken a fall in his yard, and the cassowary attacked him. Can you imagine having a pet that is just waiting for you to be in a supine position to kill you? That's terrifying. Like, what was that bird planning all these years? He was just like, as soon as this man lies down in in the grass, I'm going to get him. He I got I got him. What did the, like why would you even attack him? You had to be kind of familiar with him. I'm not saying birds are the smartest pets, but that just seems malicious. So he didn't survive. But his fiance of 20 years said he was doing what he loved to do: having exotic birds. Well, RIP to him, but this just went set me down like my whole rabbit hole where because I really just love. Like I do, I'm interested in extinct birds too. Like the MOA bird was twelve feet tall. And that's could you just imagine a twelve foot tall bird walking around? Just picture that. I don't know why we're not more scared of just I am scared of of peacocks. Like I was biking in this um, you know, this park sanctuary thing in Miami, and I was like, they're too close. These birds are too close. I don't like it. I'm not comfortable. And, and I was vindicated. I, I obviously, we're not meant to be comfortable. These birds can kill. That's it for the cake and kombucha this week, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you like what you hear, subscribe. I'm on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. But subscribe on Apple. That is the way that I can most easily track you. And if you are a Google-haver, Android user, then use Spotify. Actually, I'm on Google Play, too, now. So I'm everywhere. We out here. We out here, y'all. That's it. That's all I got. And I will see you next week through my ears, the canals of my ears. Bye. This week's episode of Cake and Kombucha was recorded in a secret location. (laughs) Cake and Kombucha is produced, edited, and spoken by Kalechi Azier, your host. It features music by Melanie J.B. Charles. If you like what you hear, please go to SoundCloud, go to Spotify and find Melanie J.B. Charles, or hit up MelanieJBCharles.com. Ta-ta for now. I'm out of my head, and I'm out of my head, now, give me a Yeah,